Hello and welcome to Cats Out of the Bag. I'm Kat Hennessy and in this podcast, nothing is off limits. Hello angels and welcome back to another week of Cats Out of the Bag. So I have a anonymous guest today. It's the first time I've done this, so I'm very excited. Um, She is an absolute legend and pleasure to talk to, and she has been through a pretty um, tumultuous few years and had a really um, really intense marriage, breakup. Were you even married? Engaged? Engaged. Yeah, engaged, breakup, like all all the things. So we're going to be diving into her story. We're going to be talking about, you know, a lot of things to do with like emotional abuse, toxic relationships, red flags. Um, and I really wanted to get her on here to kind of help you guys. Cause I know a lot of you reach out to me with, you know, issues in your relationships and things you're noticing. And I feel like if you can relate to any of these things, then it might be the warning sign you needed or the, the push you needed to make the step out of your relationship. So let's bring in my anonymous guest. Welcome. Hi. Thank you for having me. No, I'm so excited to have you here. So I mean, to be here. yeah, it's, it's weird. I feel like I can't be like, tell me about yourself. What are you doing? You're anonymous. But like, <laughs> let's, uh, I know, it's just so strange. But yeah, tell me about like your relationship. How did you meet? Like, g- give me the, give me the start of it all and run me through it. So uh, basically at the time I, I had had a long-term relationship uh, which I'd gotten out of and and we were mu- – like it was mutual. We were friends. It was all good. And I went and just had a lot of fun because I'd had a mortgage at 21 and it was a lot. And I think I grew up very quickly. Mm. And then so I had my early 20s in my mid-20s having a lot of fun and then decided I was going to do uni, do my nursing – I was on a path I was I was really excited about. Uh, and then one of my clients, because um, uh, I was a beauty therapist at the time, still am. Yeah. Um, I'd known for a, a, about 10 years at the time and she was just adamant that she hooked me up with her brother. And um, I was adamant that I didn't need anyone because I'd had my fun, I'd had my long-term relationship, I was studying, I was you know, onto different things. Um, so, uh, because I worked from home, I'd often make her the last client of the night so we could have a few wines afterwards. Love and, it. Just um, like now. Right. That's the way it And, um, yeah, after, after our session, uh, she actually got together with my mum and she just sold her brother to my mum and was just like, we're going to set up. He's amazing. He's you a said pilot. Your name. Oh. <laughs> Can we bleep it out? Yeah. <laughs> so funny. At least I'm feeling comfortable enough to do that. No, 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 it's fine. Okay. So, um, yeah, so so we're going to set her up with my brother. And um, she sold him to my mum. He's a pilot. He's funny. He's got his own place in Bondi. He's, you know, he's just come out of a long-term relationship. And, of course, she was crazy because aren't all exes crazy. Mm. Um, Let's blame the woman. Yeah, always, <laughs> always. Um, so... That was sort of it. She um, organised for him to fly up from Sydney, um, organised a barbecue and I was going. And if it had have just been her that 
the sister that did it, I, I probably would have flagged it, like cancelled last minute. But because my mum was now involved and convinced that this was going to be my husband, she actually dropped me off to Stop. the barbecue. I didn't want to go. You just, so how were you feeling going into it? Um, so nervous. I, mm. It's set up. How awkward. Yeah. Just like arranged. So, exactly. Yeah. By my mum and his sister, for goodness sakes. Yeah, you know. right. So, um, yeah, so. At least going into that, though, you had like a bit of a family in. Like there's nothing worse than like meeting a guy and then meeting their siblings and having to like prove yourself. That is It's like so you've got true. the family tick of approval already. Right. So yeah. I was like, oh, okay. But anyway, again, I just went. Um, I was at work that day um, and I was telling everyone how I just didn't want this to happen and and everyone was just like, just go. What's the worst that can happen? You just say you've got to leave because I had to work the next day. So they were just like, just make the excuse to leave. So I went and, um, yeah, I guess sort of the rest is history in a sense, which you'll hear about. So, so what was he like when you first met him? So this is where um, it's a bit concerning for me now talking about it because I look back and I just think, why was I that insecure that I thought these things were okay? So he was actually quite cocky and arrogant when mm. I first met him, um, which was the opposite to my ex before him. And mm. he he just, yeah, he just made some comments like, um, you know, he found out what I did for a living and he was like, oh, do you give your mum a Brazilian? And just, just stuff like that. So I was very off it. Mm. Very Weird. off it. Right? So I just thought, no, no, I'm not. You know, he wasn't my usual type. But um, were you also kind of in the headspace that you were kind of keen to go for someone that wasn't your usual type? 100%. Yeah. So that's probably where you went wrong. So I was like he was because on the on the other side he was so fascinating and interesting. So he'd, you know, he'd worked just like my brother had had to leave home and work and, and sorry, study and, and, you know, learn his trade in, I guess, not ideal circumstances. He had to move away and study in Tasmania and was away from everything he loved and wanted. Um, my ex was the same. He, he, he'd worked really hard for what he wanted and, and sacrificed a lot and he had so many amazing stories and he was just really interesting and he was really um, intelligent and witty and he, it, was, it was a lot of fun bantering with him. So, yeah, I was a bit like, oh, okay. You might be interesting. And after a bowl of punch. Um, <laughs> Anyone's interesting. Yeah, right. <laughs> so I was like, oh, um, okay. So he wanted me to stay the night. He's really insistent that I stay the night. Was it at his house, the barbecue? No, it was at, no, it was at his sister's house because he lived in Sydney. Right. Oh, okay, right, okay. And this barbecue, by the way, was literally just her her new boyfriend, me and him. him. So it's intimate. So we just – he was actually quite funny because when I got there, he was like, oh, come on, is your name on the list? This party's so exclusive, like, you know. Well, on the, And he was, you know, he was joking, showed me around, oh, there's the dance floor, this is the bar. Because so, like, there was literally had- only four of us there and it was really awkward because he'd never met her boyfriend either. So it was just a really awkward yeah. thing. So his, his humour broke that and that was huge for me. Humour is amazing. Mm. So there mm. was that connection straight away. Yeah, right. And that's such a massive thing in a relationship is someone who can make you laugh and dance. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, but, but sort of towards the end of the night, he was just insistent that I stay. And I just said, no, I'm not sorry. I've just met you. And 
Um, and he was like, just for cuddle, I just want some cuddles. And I was like, nah, no way. So I left. Um, but what came after that was what I now know as love bombing. Mm. Yeah. So tell me what, what is love bombing? So I've since learned, and only now that I'm out of it, that um, people with narcissistic tendencies or personality disorders use love bombing as a way of convincing you that you need to be with them, Mm. that they are the perfect person in the world. Um, So, for example, he went back to Sydney and he was flying domestic routes at the time and they had a 25-minute turnaround from so he's, he's a pilot, he's FYI, a pilot, guys. Sorry. Yeah. Um, and in between those 25 minutes, he would land. I'd, so I was working. I would just see my phone blowing up, like just constantly, like just funny things and the, you're amazing and you're the funniest person I've ever been with and you're the most beautiful person I've ever been with. Just, just every single thing that someone wants to hear over and over and over again. Um, and I felt this. I don't know whether it was a way he would say things or, but I felt this need to have to reply. Mm. So the, that, um, that bond of I need to, I need, uh, he needs me right now started really early on of I need to reply now because otherwise he's going to go um, back on the flight and he can't reply anymore. So I've just got to, I've just got to reply now. So I would be mid-facial, put the mask on and the client would be there and I'd be texting him back in the room, which to me is just not how I operate. Yeah. So unprofessional. Should yeah. be massaging a hand or writing notes or coming up with a treatment plan, not texting back someone who only has a 25-minute window before they take off again. So that that – yeah, started really early on. But I feel like as well, like don't blame yourself on that because your priorities change when you get in your whole like love bubble and, you you know, you're fresh and you, you know, you feel this need to want to do everything for the person and 100%. be there and not do anything that could potentially sabotage it. Not that not replying immediately would sabotage anything. If anything, it's going to make him want you more. Right, yeah. Like. Yeah, but yeah, especially like if that's like disrupting your work and and how you operate, then that's not a good thing at all. No, and it wasn't obviously I wasn't, yeah, it it, it was just, but I didn't see it as unhealthy at the time. Mm. I just thought, my God, this guy is into me that much that I am his first and only priority. Which is an amazing feeling. Uh, It was euphoric. Yeah. Euphoric. I've got a pilot who can't get enough of me. Like, you know, it was, yeah, it was. It was amazing. Um, And then it started with, so I was at uni and working at the time. So then it would would continue with, oh, I'm I'm coming up this weekend. I've got time off. But I don't. And it was like, well, that's, well, that's the only time I've got, he would say. And then it started with me starting to shirk my responsibilities and put everything that I have worked so hard for from my career to my study 
So you weren't prioritizing yourself? Not at all. Yeah. But he wasn't encouraging me to either. Which is a huge issue. Well, I realize now that that's a red flag, but at the time I just think he just wants me that bad. Oh, which is so. Oh, it's just amazing. And then I'm also thinking, "Mm, you know, like, well, will I always be a beauty therapist if I'm a pilot's wife? Yeah, you know, and I know that like, just sounds. It just oh that oh I feel sick when I say that out no, loud. No, but, but even like oh, do I really want to study? Do I really? Or would I rather mm. go out for Italian and drink some wine and have sex with my new fling? Right, because like, like, he's shouting and I get all the cocktails and whatever yeah. I want, I get and, and some great sex and some good company. Like oh, yeah. why the fuck not? Right. So it just and you know I was yeah it it was it was a yeah he was very much like a, I know now just trying to make sure that I was fully invested. Um, And then about four or five months in came the, well, why don't you move down to Sydney and live with me? You know, you don't have to pay. I'm paying my mortgage as it is. You don't have to pay any rent. We'll just, just help out with groceries and whatever else. You can get a job down here. You can defer your uni and, and, and transfer down here and, We'll just live this amazing life. So just making it sound so like appealing and oh easy for God. you. Who I'm going to live in Bondi Beach with a pilot who's happy to pay for everything because at this point in time he's shouting and there's yeah. been a, ba- a holiday to Bali and it's just been euphoric, just incredibly amazing. Yeah. Um. So you moved, obviously. So I moved. Yeah. Of course I did. Of course <laughs> so I, I packed did. my bags I just, and I moved I, to Sydney. I, Felicia, I was gone. Yeah. Like, you know, the hardest thing was telling my mum because we're really close and, uh, yeah, that was that was it. I was just gone. <laughs> Clients I'd had for, you know, 10 years. Bye. <laughs> See ya. Uh, yeah, it was, re- it was a real, like, I'd forgotten this old life and who I was and I was going to become this new person. Well, not new, pe- but live this new life. Um, and I look back now and, and I actually feel sick to my stomach to think about how quickly it all happened because now that I think back, he showed me exactly who he was in those first six months and I ignored every single red flag. What do you reckon some of the like red flags you saw earlier on that you ignored were? Um, the, uh, one of the big ones was, um, the, uh, hot cold. So they love bomb and then they retreat. So as I was explaining before, in those 25 minutes of those turnarounds of his flight, he would just be message, message, message. And then he'd go, I'd, he'd go 24, 48 hours and I'd hardly hear from him. What the fuck? Right. This is a guy who wants to FaceTime all the time and, and, and good night messages and good morning messages and then nothing. And then I'd get like, is everything all right? What's happening? What's going on? Yeah, and then you on? feel insecure. Are you okay? And then he would say, I'm fine, are you? Mm. So then I was like, oh, I'm being too full on. Oh, it's me. <laughs> it has to be me. Like gaslighting you. 100%. Mm. So again, so he was showing me early on who he was. The gaslighting is a huge one. Mm. Massive red flag. But I didn't even know the term gaslighting. Yeah. Um, and then we went on a holiday to Bali and um, uh, 
He would ply me with alcohol. Um, like just drink after drink, whatever you want. You so have not it. when you're in Bali either. You're well, drinking well, fucking right, Benson. Iraq, yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but this isn't just in, in, in general. He would play yeah. me with alcohol and then he'd say things almost like baiting. And because I actually am quite a strong person normally, if all of my friends know me as the, I'm the first one to give my opinion and say, look, don't, or this is what I think. Mm. Especially in my family. I'm the eldest child. I'm, Always, Feisty everyone, partner. everyone knows where I where they stand with me and where I stand with them. It's pretty so. So I would get to that point of being drunk and then just I'd I'd go at him. Like, how dare you say that to me? How dare you say these things to me? Why would you comment on my boobs? Why would you comment on my family? Why would you make a comment about my career? And it was always met with. You're crazy. You're being dramatic. Right. Or, yeah. And then the next morning I'd be hung over and feeling like shit and he'd, he'd be like, you need to, like, it was all my fault. Like you drink too much and you need to apologise. And I would. I would come crying to him apologising. Stop. Crying. And do you know what he'd say? He'd say things like, it's just so hard because you look so pretty right now while you're crying but I just don't know if I can put up with that behaviour. Stop. Shit like that. And I and I was I was by then I was too I'd moved. So I was out of my comfort zone. I was I'd given up everything that I had built on the Gold Coast. And you also feel a little bit trapped when you're like away and you're living this new life I and you quit your job, like I can't just run to mums and be no. like, Ah mum, can't. Yeah. There was no one there sort of telling me, nah. In fact, that was I guess the lucky thing for me and my friendship group is uh, uh, no one had experienced anything like this before. So it was just, uh, it was, yeah. I just thought I was, it was me. It was all me. I was crazy. Um, so I, it, start, it began with the seeing psychologists and seeing psychiatrists. And you did that when you were together? Yeah, because he convinced me that I was. Insane. Absolutely mental. Yeah, right. So, so you, yeah, what the fuck? Right. (laughs) So you move to Sydney, Mm -hmm. you have your holiday. How, how does it progress from here? Um, so then it starts with the, um, so because by then he, he'd got me. Yeah. Yeah. You fucking hooked in. Right. So the next step. With narcissists is, well, they just, it begins this really toxic cycle of, I'll show my real colours and when you're just on the brink of finally leaving, I'll quickly show you a glimpse of that love bombing again and it just keeps going and going and going and going. So he, um, all this paying for stuff and all this um, nice dinners and holidays and that all virtually stopped. Really? Um I remember um, we used to – so I was I was going to leave. I was thinking I just can't do this anymore. Next minute he convinces – like he just says we're going to buy a dog. And so what does that mean when he's an international pilot now and going away is that I can't leave because now there's a dog in the apartment. It was – he admitted to his best friend 
who told me later on that he specifically got the dog to keep me. What the fuck? Uh, it's just, I, I still, um, even as I'm speaking these words, I cannot believe that this has happened to me. Yeah, but I just, it's so easy. Or that I let myself, I don't know, you know. Yeah, but it's so, it's so much harder than when you're in that situation. Like it's so easy to give advice to someone who's going through it when you're not in it. Mm. And when you're out of it and you look back, you're like, what the fuck? Even with my ex, like I should have left him six months before, <laughs> but I was like, we live together and we got this. Like, you know, I felt trapped. I yeah, felt- you got your little home, you've got yeah. your bubble, you've got everything and it's like, well, I can't just walk away. Exactly. It feels so much harder. So you can't like, I think you've got to like tell this story and not look look back at yourself as though you can't believe you did this because you've done it. You went through it, and mm. I think the main thing that you get out of this is that you learned something, yeah. which you one hundred percent have. Oh my god, yes! So it's like, oh, and 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 when you're in a in a relationship with someone who's narcissistic or a narcissist, like you, they're the master fucking manipulators. Oh. Like you don't like know yourself half the time and like yeah you were taken advantage of like this is like emotional abuse 101 like Mm. some of the shit you went through like you can't even you like looking back and saying I can't believe I did this that makes me sad because it's like he took advantage of you and you've got to think of it like that not as in like don't blame yourself you know very true yeah so, um, as usual, don't Kat. fucking blame yourself. Yeah. <laughs> as usual, cat slash Doctor Phil. Yeah, you are right. No, but, but you're, you're I so right. Too. I just you, you, hundred percent. Um, it's actually uh, my therapist said to me uh, on the first visit because I was just a mess by the time the breakup happened. My therapist said to me, um, on the first session, you can't. Blame yourself. In fact, narcissists only pick the best kind of people. I said, what do you mean? And she said, well, they're not going to pick someone who's out for themselves. They're not going to pick a a nasty person or a selfish person. They're going to pick a person who trusts, who wants to love, who wants to be loved, who is kind and will, will give up and sacrifice for things to work and that was a that was a real moment for me because I thought oh that's that's really nice to hear actually absolutely <laughs> when you feel like you are just the biggest idiot on the planet mm. how the hell like I watch the tinder swindler and everyone's just like oh how could you and I'm like nah I totally get it because yeah. when you're conned you're conned and it, I came from a good family I had a really good network had a career and yet it still happened. Yeah. It's fucked. We don't know, especially when you're like wanting to ex- like expect, you want to expect the best out of the person you're dating and you want to view them in the best light possible. So Always. And yeah. my parents have been married till, you know, well, they're still married. And my both my sets of grandparents were married till death. You know, it was just like, well, I make this work. Yeah. Okay, yes, everyone has bad times. Yeah. You just make it work and it just, yeah. By that stage, like you said, you're just so trapped. You just, Mm. I I didn't know what to do. And then I felt pregnant. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Here here we go, guys. And then, so you got the dog. Got the dog. How far after the dog did you become prego? Uh, Prego, like, can I know it? September, 
So five months, maybe five, five months. Okay. So yeah. how long had you been together before you got pregnant? A year and a half. Okay. So I'd been living with him for. And were you a engaged year? at this point? No. He had told me, in fact, that um, we were up at Bondi Junction just shopping and I was looking at rings and I was like, oh, I like that ring. Um, and he actually told me to my face that I was not worth the two carat ring. Stop. Now, I was l- being a little bit arsy asking for that. Don't get me wrong. Like I just was, I've never been engaged. I was just happy for someone to love me enough to want to marry me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Absolutely. I was being, you know. I'll take, I'll take a fucking cheetah yeah, on my, yeah, on my right. ring. I'll take anything. Right. We can just say anything. we're engaged. I don't even need jewellery. Like. Exactly. I was that, no, I was that person. It's probably me but, right now. I'm like, just say I'm your girlfriend okay. and I'll be happy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yours. That's it. How many babies? Okay. We exclusive. That's enough for me. Like, <laughs> honestly. Well, and that's how that's how I actually was. But um, yeah, he told me that, and I remember I said bye, and I walked home. Were you pregnant then? No, I was not. So, so I was told. So I had a long history with endometriosis, and I was told oh. that. Um, I'd need help having kids. So I'd never even had a pregnancy scare at that point. I was 30 by the time this happened. Um, So when I um, fell pregnant, it was a massive shock because I just didn't think I even could without help. Mm. That's not what I had been told. Mm. Um, And just to give you an idea of how romantic he was at this point in time, he actually made me do a test because I was a couple of days late and – um, yeah, he said, just do a test. He went and bought a test. Oh, actually, no, he didn't buy a test. It was a leftover test from his ex. Stop. Yeah, there was a lot of that going on. Um, yeah, leftover text, uh, test from his ex. And I was like, it's probably out of date. And he's like, oh, well, it doesn't matter. Just do it anyway. So I did it. And this is how sure I wasn't, I knew I wasn't pregnant. I did it, put it on the bench, went outside, had a wine and a cigarette. I was just like, I just know that it's not. Um, and then he goes, oh, have you checked it it yet? And I said, no. I said, did you? And he said, yeah, it's negative. And I was like, oh, thank God. Because I think deep in my waters I knew. that You didn't want to have a child. So then I went into the bathroom probably an hour later, looked at the test and it was positive. Stop. He lied to me. Why did he lie? I don't know. To get my reaction? I, I don't know. Because then I was like, I came back out and said, it's positive. And he said, yeah, I know. I said, you let me continue on with a wine and a cigarette while you knew I was pregnant. Like, what the hell? And he's like, well, how do you feel? I was like, I don't know how I feel right now. And then it was this really awkward, yeah, it was just not. Especially because you'd probably been like, oh, thank God. Yeah. And And then he was like, yeah. But he was, he was, but he doesn't care at this point. He doesn't care any about anything to do with me and how I feel. This is his offspring now. It was, it, it was a change in mindset. He was so excited. Really? Yeah. Like his whole world had changed because he was having a baby. Yeah. What do you, how so? Oh, he was just like, that's it. Like, um, so he'd, he'd done his pilot thing and he'd become an international pilot, which was his goal. He's got his apartment in Bondi. He's doing, you know, he's, he's, he's got all the money in the bank because he was so tight with everything. And now he's having, like, he sowed his oats. It was 
bizarre. And he was so attentive during pregnancy, the most attentive he'd ever been in our relationship since that first love bombing phase. So you thought that like things were going really well and were you really excited? I I don't I don't um we had some dramas because we thought, yeah, we got some bad advice anyway. Um but I would have I know this is controversial, but I probably would have aborted. My yeah. gut was telling me the whole time. Yeah. But when he turns it up like that and is like just amazing to me, so protective. Yeah. So like he wouldn't even go out for a paddleboard towards the end when I was ready to give birth in case he missed something. And I was so eager to just have some space. Yeah, you're like, please, leave. Please do. I was, I was like, I'll sit on the beach. You go for the paddle. If something happens, I'll wave my arms. Yeah. I'll set off a flare. I don't care. Just go because I was. he was that attentive. Stop. From the moment our son was born, it was like I didn't exist. What do you I mean? I ceased to exist. It was all about our son. He would come, I would be up all night. This is one example that I'll never get over. I was up all night breastfeeding in our apartment, our unit. You had to, as you walked out of the bedroom, you had to walk past the lounge room to get to the kitchen. He walked straight past me, tired mum, breastfeeding all night, baby on the boob, walked straight past me, made himself a lovely breakfast and a coffee, came and sat down next to me and started eating it, didn't ask me if I wanted anything. Stop. Not a thing. And I said so, of course, because I'm a normal person, I bought it up and I was like, what the fucking fucking hell? I, I wouldn't mind a coffee after I've been bloody like, breastfeeding all night. But then he would make me a coffee and he'd put it down across on the coffee table. And I'd be like, how am I going to get that when I've got a baby? On? And my and my vagina's ripped from here to next Sunday. Yeah. I couldn't. I was sitting on a donut cushion for six weeks. Like, so he, I, was, I was in agony. I was tired. I was baby blues. When I brought up that thing to him, that incident, he would say to me, well, that's your fault for not asking me for something. You knew I was in the kitchen. If you wanted a coffee, you should have asked. Stop. Now, initially, because I was so brainwashed at that time, when he said that, I did think, oh, yeah, probably should have. I did know he was in the kitchen. Maybe I was anticipating a fight. But the reality is I've just given birth to your fucking son. Go – you're in the kitchen making yourself breakfast after your beautiful sleep. Do you wouldn't you don't think about that other? I mean, I would do that to a housemate, literally. My friends, anyone I didn't know. Let oh alone shit, your partner. Let alone your, the person you're supposed to love. That's the kind of shit. The mother of your child. The mother. Oh no, I was the, I was the nanny. I was the babysitter. What do you mean? Well, I became this, um, um, like so. He would, you know, spend time with our son and then he would go away to work. Um, and we only had one car because he wouldn't buy another car. Now, you have to remember that he was an international pilot and this apartment in Bondi that he had was mostly funded by his auntie. So, his mortgage was well, very, very minimal. So, his expenses were, were nothing. Yet he's earning this massive wage and he acted like we were poor. So we had one car. So I would have to pack up our newborn into the car to drop him to work. And then when he was finished his shift, I'd have to pick him up. What if, was he only going international? He was, so that's fine. So it might only be a couple of times a week or once a week. But the reality is it didn't matter whether it was six o'clock at night 
eight o'clock at night or six o'clock in the morning. Forget yeah. newborn schedule, me being absolutely exhausted being a solo parent. Get a fucking taxi. No way would he pay for a taxi. If if I actually put my foot down and said to him, don't, don't, I'm not coming, he would catch buses. Stop. He would catch buses and trains and then he'd whinge about how much it cost. But isn't he wealthy? Very. What the fuck? Oh, oh, oh. When we went to Fiji, when we actually got engaged, he went on to all the websites to find out um, how much alcohol you could take into the country. And he made me pack in my suitcase cask wine to that exact amount so he didn't have to pay for as much alcohol once we got over there. Sorry? Now, keep in mind, I had a, a three-year-old. How much, how much wine am I going to consume that's going to send you broke? Literally. Maybe one or two at night, but you got to fucking- Even if I had more, how much money is, am I possibly going- How much can I possibly drink? To make it like to a, make an actual it- issue. And cask wine. No. <laughs> like yeah. a bit of golden oak. To a little, to bit, of- little bit of, oh, shit, what was it? Fruity Lexia. Yellow. yellow uh, oh, shit. Thank God I don't remember anymore. I've, I've blocked that one out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. He said, who do you think can afford to eat there? And I said, oh, I don't know, an international pilot? But no, I never got to go to that restaurant. I never went or never allowed to go. We, um, he would make me Google the cheapest steak. Do you know what you got to do now? Now that you're like established and you're back and you're in your good routine, you've got to go to Sydney and you've got to take yourself to that restaurant. Oh, mate. And I'll post it everywhere. Yeah. But you don't need a fucking oh, man to- No, I absolutely don't. But the problem was that by that stage, I was so financially abused that mm. there was no way I could have taken myself there. Totally. I wasn't working anymore. And I guess this is, this is a huge reason why I'm doing this is because I want people to know that which I just didn't, I had no idea, but domestic abuse is not just physical. I used to wish that he would hit me because then I'd have something to show for it. But everything was done behind closed doors, master manipulator. He was this good looking, charismatic pilot and I was just this loser. See, it's hard as well because it's like, emotional abuse and manipulation is it, – it's abuse and it's like so many people ignore it because it's not physical or mm. – Did he hit you? Well, no. Well, then what's your problem? Yeah. Like, but I feel like it's so important now that like these things are being spoken about more and like, you know, you can look at situations you've been in and go, well, hang on, no, I, I was emotionally abused here or this was fucked or – Oh, 100%. Because at the time I didn't know what it was. Yeah. I just thought it was normal. I had no idea what um, emotional abuse was, what financial abuse was. I had no idea what coercive control was. Um, When you've got someone videotaping you because he's finally back from overseas and I've decided to let my hair down and have a few wines and he's videotaping me doing that like I'm some irresponsible parent and then I live with that fear that these are going to be used against me in court – which is what he told me, I was trapped. I had no money. I had no- nothing. Financial, he wouldn't, he just, I got an allowance and he would monitor everything I spent. Yet while he was overseas, what the hell was he spending? 
shouting the crew, you know, doing anything, which I found out he was with other women. Fuck it's just, but you just don't, you don't see it at the top. Like I just, I was told because I had a roof over my head, I had a car to drive, I had everything I needed. I shopped at Kmart for my kids. I still do. Nothing wrong with that. Love Kmart, right? But like, I wasn't. I didn't. I never had a budget to do anything better. So I was used to that sort of life. But I was always told that that I was should be. I should be so grateful when I'd be like, "This isn't right. Why are we broke? You're an international pilot." And we don't have any other expenses. What's going on? But no, I was never allowed to see anything. But he could monitor me the whole time. What the fuck? And I just thought that was the way of life. Oh, okay. Well, and he would say that to me. It's normal. This is how it's done. And I knew everything in me, girls listening, please, everything in you right now is screaming that it's not right. But you just, you want it to be perfect. I know. And you just, you, you continue on with it knowing that it's not right but it's just like you've just got to get get that courage to walk away and know that like mm. you're going to be so much more better you're going to be so much better off so much for doing off. it so much better off. whether it might be three months six months a year like in the long run sitting through tumultuous and abusive situations is it's not it's no. not normal it's not normal behavior no. i look at my friends relationships and they're not scared all the time mm-hmm they don't come out to lunch and watch every cent they're spending unless it's a joint decision for them to be saving for something and they're like, no, 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 I better be careful. Like I was on eggshells because I would be questioned on absolutely everything that I did. It's not normal. No. It's not normal to, f- to feel anxiety because you want to catch up with your friends and you worry what they're doing and what, what they're going to say about it. And that they don't like your friends because all of a sudden these people that he pretended to love in the beginning are all of a sudden the worst people in the world. It's not normal. And we're worth so much more. And women are are incredible. Mm, We're strong. Absolutely. So so what happened next? So you obviously you had your son. Yeah. You felt like you just kind of became the nanny. I absolutely was, yeah. So we went to um, – I hooked up my – one of my best friends down there with his one of his best friends for housemates, like nothing else. And so they were living together and my best friend at the time loved a Halloween party, probably still does. Um, so we got um, our son babysat and went to this Halloween party. And I – my gut was screaming at me something wasn't right. And um, I dressed up. I looked hot as fuck. Morticia had a corset. Long black, hot lipstick. Like I've really, for the first time since having a baby. You felt fucking good. I felt amazing. And then like some of his friends were there and they were just like, what? You look amazing. And I, and I felt for the first time I felt good. But he was acting so strange. And there were a lot of aviation people at that thing anyway. There were a few comments made and I just thought, why are you acting like Because I was never a jealous person. I, I'm the kind of person that we go to a party, I'll go chat with the girls, you go chat with the guys and we'll meet somewhere in the middle. Like I'm, I'm not obsessive. Totally. Um, but he was just acting so strange. So when we got home, he actually passed out in the hallway and for the first time ever, 
um, I went through his phone. I knew you were going to say that. Yeah, I, I hadn't done it. Well I, well, I couldn't. He's so protective. My last relationship, we had passwords to everything together. In fact, so much so that we'd use the same computer, same computer and sometimes I'd comment on Facebook, but I didn't realise I was in his profile. <laughs> That's how open it was. Yeah. So to come to this where everything is so secret, he wouldn't even let me have his phone in the car for directions. That's how secret it was. Girls, warning sign. Yeah. Massive Massive, sign. yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I went through his we, phone. We and literally spoke about – I spoke about that in my last episode with Rebecca about I remember. phone obsession. Like it's a thing. It's like a if thing. someone's like super private or shady with their phones, like there's something going on. Something going on. And, and she said, trust your gut. And she was so right. Mm-hmm. And that's what I did that night. And I went against everything that I believe in and I went through his phone. The first thing I went through is photos and I found a dick pic. And I Stop. thought – Right. I thought that didn't go to me. I never got that. What the fuck? So I don't even know how to use iPhones because I have a Samsung. Oh, no, you're an Android. I am. Sorry. Ah! Don't judge me. (laughs) I'm still cool. (laughs) So and then anyway, I I don't know how I even found it, but I was like, what is this app? Went into it and it was a hookup app, location Related and every port that he went to, Thailand, Hawaii, um, Japan, Korea, Bali, there was lots and lots of messages and lots and lots of pictures um, uh, of, yeah, him trying to meet up with girls overseas. So it was pretty much going overseas and like yeah, hooking up with other women. Yeah. And what did you think in that moment? It's out. Done. Devastated because devastated because we had a son and I never wanted to be in a broken home. Like like I'd said earlier, you know, my everyone was married till death and my parents are still married and it's just not a thing. You make it work. Um, but I knew that I well, I knew in that moment I couldn't make it work. So I approached him about it, woke him up. I thankfully took a few screenshots on my phone. Um and then I hid his phone because I, I think you just know, you start to learn how to survive mm. in these relationships. I knew what he would do, which was grab his phone and delete everything and or I don't know. Anyway, I hid his phone. It was in the dog food. Genius. Um, right. And so anyway, I approached him about it and he flat out denied it. What? Categorically told me I was insane. Stop. Oh, I shit you not. Just to my eyes. No, I didn't do it. I haven't done it. I don't don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. Stop. Over and over and over again, which actually came back recently. But anyway, yeah, straight out denied it. And what did you do? He took my phone at that point and I just wanted to leave and he wouldn't let me leave. And so I said, just give me my phone so I can leave. But he wouldn't let me leave. It was the, wor- it was the worst situation I've ever been in. Well, I should say that, but the divorce is worse. But, yeah, it was – I couldn't believe what was happening to me. I found it. I was expecting him to at least admit it and, and at least plead for forgiveness or say, yeah, I did it, what of it but just to flat out deny it. 
and make me again question my own sanity was unbelievable. So anyway, long story short, finally got my phone back. He left and I left for the Gold Coast. With your son? With my son. I saw a lawyer um, who gave me some amazing advice. He was absolutely incredible um, on how to keep my son up on the Gold Coast. And it was still to this day, I can't believe it, but it was the smartest thing I ever did. To leave? To, 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 or to get up to the Gold Coast yeah. and have my son here. Yeah. Because unfortunately the love bombing started again and we got back together. Yeah. Had another child. Fucking hell. And I was like, I thought you had another kid. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. So um, how did that, how did you end up getting back with him? Oh, the love bombing again. Like it was just like, oh, I'm talking. You got manipulated back into oh, it. Oh, yeah. And, and and just things, saying things like, you know, when I went to my parents' house, they told me to lawyer up and I said to them, don't be stupid. I'm about to lose my family. I don't care about that, which is absolute bullshit because that's all he cares about is his money. Um. Oh, just, yeah, oh, gifts, you know, like lots of gifts. So Victoria's Secret underwear from overseas and flowers and uh, with notes, beautiful notes apologising, took me out like away, like staying away for nights at hotels and dinners and basically the start again. And because at that point I've learnt now that it's, known as something called trauma bonding. Mm. So at that point, that's exactly what I needed to hear because I wanted us to be a family. I wanted us to get back together and I was thinking, oh, yeah, no, he's he's really – I've really scared him now because I've moved to the Gold Coast. He's He knows I'm serious. And he moved to the Gold Coast to be with us. So he must be serious. Yeah. <laughs> So how so how long was he doing all this like stuff before you end up getting back together? Oh, I reckon it was probably only like two months. I don't yeah. think it was even that long. But that still like feels quite a while in the scheme of things. Oh, it does. And when you're beside yourself because you don't want your relationship to end. Yeah. I didn't want it to be over. I didn't want that to be the case. Like, yeah. Yeah. And then what? Uh, yeah, so then we had our – so you got back together. Did you move back in together? Yeah. So we were actually were living with my parents at the time until we found a rental and then we moved out and um, moved a few times. Um, and then um, it was actually when COVID hit that it all, I realized, I just finally realized. That it was done. That it, how bad he was. Because I think because he was working away, I could deal you know, when, when you're having that abuse all the time, but then they disappear for a little bit. Like I remember counting down at times, the times he would, until he would go away. I remember you saying this to me last time you were like, oh, he was being such a like asshole, but you were like, oh, he's leaving he's in two leaving days. Two, yeah. So just another two days, hold, hold on. on. And then he's gone for a week. Yeah. Yeah. And then COVID hit and he was home all the time. And then the abuse became more so because his ego has taken a hit because the one thing that, makes him greater than everyone else on this planet is the fact that he's a pilot. So he wouldn't let me leave the house. But, you know, I just, it, I was trapped and it was scary. And I just, I thought, oh my God, I can't, this is it. And I'm almost thankful for COVID because 
made you kind of like give, well, gave you the courage to step away? That I, I finally saw it for what it was. A lot of um, pilots' wives don't realise this until they retire mm. because they're, they're constantly like, yeah, I live the lifestyle and you're away, and then they retire and they're there all the time being the assholes that they always were, mm. but now they're there all the time and they just can't. Fucking hell. Can't deal with it. But, I mean, by this stage there was, was not a single part of me that he hadn't attacked emotionally, so not physically. Let's get that straight. There was no physical abuse. Oh, he threw a bin at me once, but. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Right, right. Yeah, in front of my kids. That was. The fuck? Yeah. He just got the shits and threw a bin at me. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But again, it. like you just, I just brushed that off. It's so shit. But um, yeah, so at this stage, so there were like from my breasts to my vagina and every everything else, there wasn't something that he hadn't had some snide remark about. So I'm coming out of this with no money, absolutely no money, no financial credit or rating or anything, um, no self-esteem, no career because I hadn't worked because I wasn't allowed to work because I had my, my life had to revolve around him and picking him up and dropping him off. Mm. As he used to say, there's no point in you working. My identity was his fiancé. Yeah. And that's hard. Where do you start? Mm. Like it's so isolating. It's the scariest thing I've ever been through in my life. Yeah. And this Especially is just when you have two kids involved too. It's like. That's what I mean. That's all I was scared about. So he's going to take them off me. He's going to. So what happened? Like at what point did you say, I'm, I want to end this and I want to walk away? And like what did he, how did he take it? So I knew how, um, I knew deep down how he was going to react. So I went, I had to go into full stealth mode. I went to Centrelink and basically said to them, help. And they were amazing, actually. They were fantastic. That's great. Um, I went and got a storage shed, rented out a storage shed um, so that hopefully anything that I could retain from the house, like personal belongings and things like that, um, that I have something that, yeah, so I had to keep all of that a secret. I had to pay for everything in cash because obviously he monitored everything that I spent. By that stage I'd gone back to work, but he got pissed off that I was buying $5 subways every day, so he cut me off financially. What? Yeah, the the exact conversation went, I can see you're buying $5 subways every day for for work. If you're that cashed up, you don't need me. And he just cut me off financially. $5 subways? Yeah. I didn't even buy a drink. I took a drink from home. You know, what? the $5 deal. Right? Yeah. That's that's when I was officially cut off financially from my $250 a week. Yeah. It was like, this is when I'm still living in the same roof. So anyway, so sorry. So I'd, I knew that this was all really bad. Um, so I'd put those things in place. I, I told my closest family and friends what I was about to do. And then I told him. And he just ignored me. What do you mean he ignored you? I just thought that it was another threat that I wouldn't leave. So then I got my sister and my brother-in-law and I said, I need to start getting my sh- stuff out of the house <laughs> because um, – He's going to take everything. He'll set it all on fire if it means that I don't have it. Literally. So um, 
one day they turned up with my brother-in-law's van and we started taking personal items. So not furniture, a van we're talking about, not a removalist truck. So I was taking kids' clothes that meant something to me, my bedroom stuff that I had contributed to the relationship, um, yeah, my personal documents, files, really just just yeah. The bare minimum pretty much. Gifts like that my family had given me yeah. in the kitchen and things like that. Uh, and he just came out and he said, so you're really doing this? You're really leaving? And I just thought, what, at what point? So he honestly thought that I would just put up with his shit and be there forever. He, You could see the shock in his face. And from that moment on, it was hell. It was hell. I had to stay in that house because I knew that if I left before we had – consent orders in place for the kids, he would use them against me because he knew that was the only thing I cared about. I didn't care about money. I didn't care about possessions. I just cared about the kids. And I knew he would be one of those people that would disappear to Sydney and it'd take three months for me to get them back. Mm -hmm. So I stayed under that roof with him for another September, October, four months. Stop. Mm. Did you sleep in the same bed? Oh, God, no, separate room. We always had separate rooms. What do you mean? Well, he needed his recovery sleep before, sorry, preparation sleep and then recovery sleep after. So I'd deal with the kids and keep them away before and after his shifts. So, yes, he had a separate room where he would recover and and sleep with his eye mask and his ear ear plugs in every night, yeah. But really what he was doing is I'd just find bottles of wine and casks of wine in there so he's just getting off his face and – Passing out. Passing out. And I shit you not, if you talk to him tomorrow, he will tell you that that was me, that that's what I used to do. All the projection of everything that he used to do. Blames it on you. Oh, everything, down to exact, like, down to things he would say to me. He will sit here and honestly tell you that I said those things. It's the most bizarre thing I've ever encountered. What the fuck? Oh, Hey, this guy flies planes. Yet I remember once during that four months, I was beside myself. Every so I really loved going to work at this set, like it was my outlet, and I mm. loved being back in my game where I'm my most confident. And um, every morning that I'd go to work, because he knew I was happy about it, he would try and he would do something to bait me so that I'd be devastated. So one morning it was taking the family car off me. And saying, because by that stage he'd bought another car and he said, you will no longer be driving this. This is what you're driving to work and this is what you will be driving forever. So I do what I did every morning is call my friend on the way to work crying, just saying, this is what happened today. She talked me through it. Um, What a good friend. Oh, she was amazing, honestly. Just I couldn't have done it without her, her and my family, honestly. Um, another morning, uh, mentioned something about the kids and he said, I'm going to take, not only am I going to take full custody, but you'll be lucky if you don't go to jail. Sorry. Now that's to us sitting here right now. Sounds ridiculous. But when I, when you're that scared of someone, that petrified of someone, I actually thought to myself, could I go to jail? Now I've, I've never even run a red light. I'm such a goody two-shoes with that sort of stuff. Well, what the fuck are you going to put me in jail for? 
But that's the sort of stuff he would say to me right before I just went off to work. Just, just to like throw you off throw for the entire me day. Off. Yeah, try and ruin me. Anything to ruin me. Anything to destroy me. Oh. So talk to me more about like how you actually got out of it and like what happened when you finally kind of went through it with it. So I got a um, lawyer who recommended a mediator um, and uh, we went to mediation to organise the parenting consent orders, which is all I needed to get out of the house. I had my parents' house to go to, thank God, because if it was up to him, I would have been homeless. I'm talking, this guy had his dad fly up from Sydney and sit guard in the house so I couldn't take anything. What? Yeah. A retired Qantas pilot, very, very high up, would sit in our house so that when I would come to try and get anything, he would be monitoring and texting back any information so that I couldn't take anything of my house, my house, the home I'd built with my kids. Anyway, so I um, – I finally got the consent orders drawn up and please, ladies, anyone who's listening to this and might be going through this or knows someone who's going through it, my gut was screaming at me not to sign these papers and I should not have. I should have gone with my gut, gotten more advice, but I didn't because at that time I was so scared and so stressed and wanted out, wanted my kids and myself out of that toxic environment so badly that I rushed some things, but it's okay now, but please just trust your gut with things like that. Get advice. There's so much help out there, but I did. I signed the papers and the moment I signed the papers, I knew that I was free in a sense because my kids, I knew he couldn't use the kids against me. I knew that it was in writing when I had to have the kids, when he had to have the kids and there was no, he couldn't fuck with me there. So then the next step was getting a lawyer and I was only just so lucky that my parents lent me the money. And I say lent, like I'm, I've paid them back out of my settlement. Um, but they were there for me the whole time. I had a really good friend who had been through a divorce who was there for me. Um, I just lent on my community and they were incredible. That's amazing. Because I was at the depths. Like it's the most depressing and scary thing to go through. You're completely alone. Everything, people turn your back, their back on you because I had this perfect life according to everyone else. I was a pilot's fiance and we had two kids, one of each and everything was, you know, perfect. And then all of a sudden they hear that we're breaking up. Well, it must be me. I must be crazy. Oh, I must be the alcoholic that he's told everyone that I am. People will doubt you. But don't just trust yourself. Like women I've learnt now are absolutely incredible because we do what we have to do. We survive and we are so much better at surviving than men. Fucking oath. <laughs> we, we pull and our community, your friends, your family, even if they're not close, like if they live far away, just fall back on them. But also please just get legal advice if you've got property or kids involved. Mm. Get the help that's out there. We live in Australia. We're so lucky. There's so much out there. Totally. Just get help. But, yeah, it's possible. I, I just didn't think it ever was to survive that. His sole purpose was to destroy me. Mm. So how did you – so you signed – like how did you get out of it? Like so what was – so you moved in with your 
Excuse me, you moved in with your parents. Went through a legal battle of financial settlement. The lawyers took care of all of that. We agreed to only speak about matters on the kids, which was fantastic. Um, And the lawyers sort of sorted that all out. Um, He did really, really well. He'll always be very well off because he screwed me over in the custody. And that meant financially I was um, not going to get much. And I was really bitter about that for a small period of time, but then I've just, I'm just so thankful to be out of that relationship that there's no dollar amount that you can put on your future. Totally. You're like, just like so much happier to not be dealing with that every day. I probably would have. Yeah, exactly. And what about like him moving on? So, um, this is, this is, I guess, another scary thing about your community and be careful too. Um, because I had such amazing people around me, I was very um, trusting in who I would tell my information to. One of which was um, one of the kindy teachers at my daughter's kindy. Uh, she approached me and um, – pursued a friendship with me, invited me out, would text. She added me on Facebook, text me a messenger, like, you know. And I thought, oh, that's nice. And then she started to open up about her own marriage breakdown and she was just saying that she was unhappy. And I remember saying to her over cocktails one night, I said, are you just unhappy? Like, has there been cheating? Has there been addiction? Has there been something huge? Can you just go to counselling and try, just try? Please believe me that. There's so much, you just try that first and then at least you can walk away and know, ah, I've tried everything. Yeah. Because I certainly did that in my relationship. But she was just like, nah, I'm bored. Really? Um, so I was like, okay, that's you. You do you, boo. Um, still remain friends. She asked me a lot of questions about my financial settlement and everything that I was going through because it was really fresh. I was going through it at the time. I um, probably about – Eight months into that friendship, I got a f- phone call from another friend, which absolutely blew my recovery from the everything out of the water because I felt like I was finally getting strong again. And she tells me that this educator, this friend of mine, <laughs> is actually fucking my ex and feeding him all the information that I'm, I'm giving her about our financial settlement. So he had this upper hand this whole time. So she was feeding my abuser, giving, and I had told her everything. I had told her everything he had done to me, even the most intimate stuff. And she was sleeping with him and still is. And, and are they dating now? They're, well, they're denying it. So back to, back to him denying things. When I found out, I actually ran into him into, in the shopping centre car park and I just walked up to him and said, just so you know, I know about you and – her. So, yeah. And he categorically denied it again. I even stated places that they had been, the restaurant. So, for example, I said, I know you've been, I know you stayed at the Star. I know you went to the restaurant 19. And do you know what he said to me? I don't know what you're talking about. What's Star 19? What's a 19 Star? Stop. Over and over again. I don't know what you're talking about. What what's a nineteen? Like I just and I could I just at that point I just started laughing because I thought this no one will believe this. People will think I'm exaggerating. 
But that's exactly how we reacted and they still to this day deny it. It's been almost a year. But they're together now, aren't they? Well, her husband, uh, ex-husband and I have been in contact. Our kids constantly talk about each other and the, uh, and the other parent because they catch up every single weekend they've got the kids because, because he conveniently saw the same mediator and they lined up their custody for exactly the same days. So the fuck? So now I have to drop my daughter off to her, literally hand her over to, to that woman, to that deceitful, lying bitch because I approached the kindy about it and they said we don't get involved in personal lives. So, and because I, I can't move my child out because what do I do? Put her in kindy, a different kindy for the time that I have her and mess her up even more? Yeah, no. I can't. I've got a, a, my, my first, my first priority is my kids. Always has been, always will be. That's so fucked up. But yeah, seeing her every single day when I drop her off. And then, yeah, still both lying about it. It is, it, it, I just, when I say women can survive anything, just being able to do that and get on with my life with a lot of therapy. Yeah. And what do you think like the key things you've like learned in therapy and like what have been the things that have gotten you through all of this? Cause it, like, I just can't even imagine how difficult all this would have been. Oh, it was fucked. <laughs> um, uh, I, the, the big thing is surrounding yourself by people who will validate your feelings and be like, yeah, this, this is fucked because when this happens to you over and over again, and I thought I escaped that shit and then to have more shit on me out of my control, I was, I was like, when the fuck is this going to end? Mm. When are the punches going to stop rolling? But having people around you that validate you is huge. Like when people hear your story and actually think like that it's worth telling, worth hearing for other people is, is huge. But a big thing for me was I um, went and got EMDR therapy. Oh, yeah. I've had that before, but it didn't, it didn't do it for me. But Okay. And I know it's very divisive. I've yeah. talked to people about it. Um, I think by the time I got there, I was at such a low. I just, I, I was like, I cannot feel like this anymore. Do anything. 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 Because I couldn't feel like that anymore. I was imagining them living their perfect life while playing with my daughter because obviously she's a big influence in my daughter's life. I'm feeling like shit living up like a big fat loser at my parents' house. I, I just thought, because he he trained me for that. Like I, I thought nothing of myself and I still, still don't in a lot of, in some ways, but I'm getting there. Yeah. I'm getting there. Oh, it's so fucking but yeah, hard. But I just, it's, it's possible though. Like, you know, we were chatting before and to be able to sit and listen to other people's stories of happiness to be able to go to a wedding and be genuinely happy for the people getting married. Totally. Because I'm not a bitter bitch anymore is the best feeling. And I can't believe that I've actually come out of it feeling really excited about the future. Yeah. It's possible to survive, but it's- I think the first thing is getting out. Getting out. And that's the scariest thing. And you think that that's going to be your forever, Mm -hmm. but it's just not. You do, you move forward. 
Like you just do. I can't. And you probably, there was probably a time in your life and in your breakup where you didn't think you'd get over it and you thought Hell you'd be no. like this forever. I did. I thought he would have control over me forever. I thought that I would be scared of him forever because that was just my natural, that's how I felt our entire relationship. I was always worried about what he was going to do or say or think or anything. But this, it's possible to get to a point where, you know, now he'll text me about something and like with that demanding, like, this is what's going to happen. And I'll just go, no, no, it's not. You Good. don't, you don't, you don't get to do that anymore. Mm. I'm my you own person. You don't control me. No, and- you don't control me. You can't use the kids against me anymore. You can't use this whole, you, you, yeah, convinced me that I was such a shit person that there was something I'd done so terribly wrong that you could use it against me in court. You know, it's just, it's bullshit and I'm out of that now and it's possible to do it because if I can do it, anyone can. Oh, well, fuck. Well, <laughs> sorry, guys. <laughs> no. Deep. No, that was so incredible to hear about and I feel like even just speaking about this stuff is just like so important and look how far you've come, you know. Thank you. Like you're on a fucking podcast talking about it. You probably wouldn't have been able to do this six months ago. No, absolutely no way and yeah. not without tears. Like to be able to talk about it and just be like, well, that happened. Yeah, is exactly. amazing. So and thank you for having me you're on the on. other side and it's only going to go up from here and so. – I think you've just got to focus on that. All my cats coming, meowing at me, but wanting dinner. (laughs) Well, thank thank you you. so much for coming on today and for speaking about all of this. And I know it's obviously taken a lot of courage for you to be able to do this, but I know it's going to help so many women out there. So thanks, Kat. I can't thank you enough. You're amazing. And thank you for having me. And yeah. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening, guys. I hope you loved the episode and I will see you all next week. Cats Out of the Bag is proudly part of the ACAST Creator Network. Special shout out to Rode Microphones for powering this episode. 